Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Our scripture today is from Matthew 13, 47 through 50. Just a trigger warning that this is a text that is easily weaponized. And so just like brace yourself, get ready for it. If you look at the table of contents of the Bible, do any of you know where Matthew is? Uh Uh-huh. And uh, so uh, we've been preaching a lot from Matthew, uh, this sermon series. So I'm adding a little bit of extra trivia each week just to like keep you on your toes. So um, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, most scholars believe that uh, uh, the author or authors who uh, put this book together would have identified as a Jewish Christian or a Christian Jew. Um, Immediately after Jesus, there wasn't like strong distinctions between Jewish and Christian. And so like these were still kind of braiding together. And uh, and this was probably written with an audience of people who were Jewish and and starting to follow Jesus. So like a lot of Matthew, it goes to great lengths to preserve um, Jewish tradition and to show like Jesus is the fulfillment of Jewish tradition rather than like getting rid of it so that we can start a new thing. Um, and which is not always the case in the New Testament. So, um, so that's your little Matthew trivia of the day. I'll, I'll read this through and then ask you to say a word or phrase that sticks out to you. Okay. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that people throw into the lake and gathered all kinds of fish. When it was full, they pulled it to the shore where they sat down and put the good fish together into containers. But the bad fish they threw away. That's the way it will be at the end of the present age. The angels will go out and separate the evil people from the righteous people and will throw the evil ones into a burning furnace. I told you. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Ay, ay, ay. Grinding my teeth is what I do at night. I don't want that to be an afterlife. Um, Any words or phrases that stuck out to you from that reading? Grinding teeth, weeping, yeah dragged into the shore. <laughs> yeah, drag. Drag them. Ba- drag the bad fish. Yes. Separate. Yeah. 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 Burden. Burden? Burden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, burning. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we invite you to continue to pray over that word or phrase that stuck out to you. If there's something in particular that um, God is bringing to your attention, we invite you to reflect on that throughout this worship service. Also, if you're joining us on the live stream, hi, live stream, uh, make sure to put that word or phrase in the chat so that we can continue our worship together. We are in the middle of our sermon series, Kingdom. Anyone? Okay, we got, we got 50% participation. Okay, so, so we are in our sermon series, and then you, it's like you're receiving a crown, but then just add a little flavor to it. So we're in the middle of our sermon series, Kingdom. Yes, 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 yes. And so um, we are looking at the texts that say the kingdom of God is like, because if we don't know the type of world that Jesus envisioned for us, if we don't know the hope that God has for us, how in the world are we going to recognize it when it starts popping up? Amen? So uh, that's what this sermon series is all about. And we have a saucy focus question for sacred witnessing. After uh, the sermon, 
the question is, what's something that you previously labeled as bad but are now embracing? Or what's something that you previously labeled as good but are now rejecting? Ay, 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 ay. Okay. So after this... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, a lot of sermons percolating right now. Um, so uh, you w there will be a time for the people on site to be able to share their response to that question after the sermon. But listen, back from a, a long time away from the New City pulpit, we have the joy, privilege, and honor to be um, uh, hearing from the nationally renowned poet... Professor and Prophet, we got Javon Chen, everyone! We got Javon Chen! Okay. There's no guarantee that I won't cry when reading the sermon, so putting that out into existence. And also, my therapist said that she'd be watching the live stream, so hi. <laughs> Yay for that kind of support. <sighs> this first, these verses are a lot. <laughs> I first started going to New City as the season started to change, and people began to pull out their summer clothes. Little did I know that people would be wearing shorts. Shorts and t-shirts in church. The church I grew up in didn't let women even wear jeans in the sanctuary. So shorts were unheard of. I think I speak for a lot of us when I say that New City is different from the religious environments that we grew up in. A lot of what we were taught in those communities was that anything outside of the church was of the world. And that applies to dress codes, too. We couldn't look too worldly, or we wouldn't be seen as good Christians. We were dis dissociated. We were discouraged from associating with non-believers, a.k.a. anybody who didn't see the gospel the way that we did. If the faith communities we grew up in were in this story, they would have been seen as the good fish. They would have labeled themselves that way the ones who are worth being saved. And there was a kind of smugness to that, that you're the ones that are gonna be saved from hell and everybody else is gonna burn. I think we all know some so-called Christians that think that they're the chosen of the chosen, that they're the good fish. They're the ones who can't be bothered to interact with the non-believers. Defining feature, oh, okay, <laughs> that scared me. <laughs> A defining feature of this parable is that the bad fish are discarded, which seems like a very un-Jesus-y thing to do. Whatever happened to the parable about the shepherd losing his one sheep and leaving the 99 for them? What happened to the parable of the woman who lost her coin and when she found it, she told her neighbors to rejoice. What happened to the Jesus that hang out with sex workers, the others that society looked down upon, 
the Jesus who touched lepers, the Jesus that said that he came so that he, he might, we might have life more abundantly, more truly. That Jesus sounds so different from the Jesus in these verses. The one that talks about evil people burning. I know I'm not alone in coming from an environment where people in power use going to hell as a threat to make people compliant. The verses read today are very judgy. And a major component of judgment is how often it's paired with obedience, meaning you have to say and do the right things or else you're going to hell. So many churches still use these verses to bend people to their will, and that's repackaged as being an obedient Christian. You don't want to be one of the bad fish. You don't want to be thrown away. I look deep into these verses to try to see beyond my own fear of judgment and past hurts, which I know is completely normal and valid when deconstructing. We all have baggage, and sometimes that baggage becomes extra apparent when reading the Bible, especially Bible verses that have been used as weapons for so long. When I look at one of the things, one of the verses that have been used to harm people like me the most, reading the Bible as a marginalized people, as a marginalized person kind of feels like an oxymoron. But I know even though the Bible has been used as a tool for human judgment and unjust punishment, there are so many like me who found freedom in its pages. The Bible is a powerful text woven with threads of liberation. A lot of scholars have taken this fishing parable to mean that the followers of Christ only have to endure living with non-Christians temporarily because God will sort out who to save, which really doesn't sit right with me. I refuse to believe in a God that doesn't believe that what she created is good. I refuse to believe in a God that creates these hierarchies of people. Some people have messed up and some people have messed up slightly less. I refuse to believe in a God that throws people away. The easy thing to do with Bible verses like these when deconstructing is to ignore them. It's easy to lump these verses with others that are outdated and or potentially offensive. But we're called to do the hard work of wrestling with a text, to look at the not-so-pretty parts of the Bible and try to still see why our spiritual ancestors included them, whether we readily agree with them or not. We're given the difficult task of finding liberation amongst passages that let people suffer. I won't pretend to know the answers of why evil exists in the world or why some people suffer. I won't pretend to know why some people are so dismissive to Palestinians being murdered as we speak. Why people have made peace with the war in Ukraine, Ukraine, right? (laughs) Sorry. Why people have made peace with the war in Ukraine not having an end in sight. Why people in Sudan and the Democratic Republic Congo are weeping. I won't pretend to know why the mayor of Minneapolis is okay destroying the encampments. Why so many indigenous people are homeless on their native lands. Why voters hadn't... (laughs) why voters hadn't taken part of the liberation of making policing non-existent. 
and lessening state violence against black people. I know that evil exists. I weep for the uncertain future, future of this country. But I know that God has a plan to make things right. I know that God watches not passively, but I know that the architect of the world has a plan, has a plan for us. And I don't say this in an inactive way. I don't expect the most marginalized of us to wait quietly for liberation. But I know that God has given us the skills to go forth and bring righteousness and collective liberation. God has given enough, enough wisdom to know what evil looks like and to turn away. God has shown us what evil looks like and how disgusting it feels in our body. Because bad fish always smell. We can use our God-given senses to turn from the bad ones, to separate ourselves. We can use them to make sure that we're on the right side of history. When we're ushered into whatever happens next on the other side of death, we can die knowing that we witnessed evil and took no part in it. I work in prisons teaching creative writing. Note, I work in prisons, not for prisons. Very important distinction. <laughs> and I've met all kind of people there, including people who have committed acts of violence. It's my job to see past their crimes and see the person underneath. So many of my students have found God while doing time, and I promise incarcerated Christians are some of the most devout believers there are. But that's to say that even for people who have caused deliberate harm, God doesn't see, turning the page, God doesn't see them as bad fish, one decision away from hell, but God sees them as people who need positive communities and positive outlets and people who ultimately can change. God knows our hearts better than anyone. And God knows that we all have the potential to create acts, commit acts of violence and that our actions don't divine us and that we can change. God has placed the ability to recognize evil in our hearts, but God has also placed the ability to change there too. Wow. If it sounds like I'm trying to make sense of all the bad in the world and what to do with it, it's because I am. Yeah. I won't pretend like I vibe with the delivery of the verses presented today, but I promise I will wrestle with them and try to see the liberation in their testimonies and their attention, even if I can't see it right away. This is a sermon series, sermon series on kingdoms where we're exploring different aspects of God's kingdom. I know Tyler made a dance for it, but I'm still learning the choreography. What is it like? <laughs> the pop is what gets me. <laughs> People sorting through fish is just one of the many stories Jesus used to describe the kingdom of heaven. As we appreciate the diversity of experience in these stories presented in the sermon series, we can take cues that the kingdom of heaven will be made of diverse experiences. Maybe there's no one image of heaven. Maybe there's more than we could ever count. If God is able to create a diverse kingdom of heaven, a new city, then think of the diversity that God has created to bring earth a little closer to heaven. Experiences that discard labels like good and bad and favor something better, family. 
I'd like to close with a prayer I wrote so you can close your eyes, find a soft gaze, whatever feels right for you. God, search our hearts and remind us of the good that you placed in them. God, help us to see the good in our neighbor. Help us to change for the better to create your kingdom on earth. Remind us that we are all kin. God, make us brave. Teach us to wrestle with your word and not take the easy route when we feel dissonant with it. God, remind us that amongst all the language of good and bad fish, amongst all the talk of burning furnaces, there is a love that judgment can't touch. We pray for justice for our neighbors in Minneapolis and around the world. And we pray that your holy justice would be brought forth in a way that only you can. In the name of Jesus, the ultimate bringer of justice, we pray. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>